You are listening to Present Truth Ministries Radio, telling the world that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Welcome to PTM Radio. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Brother Jason DeMars. You can contact us at info at ptmradio.com, or you can call us at 612-293-6846. And want to thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to play a, um, a testimony, a missions update and report that I gave at Believer's Christian Fellowship in Lima, Ohio. And uh, listen into that, and we'll get you all some updates about the missions work. Uh, thank you so much for listening. May the Lord richly bless you. We're going to do, a, God willing, a 15-minute missionary report. And uh, God willing, preach for about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and just submit ourselves to him. Amen. It's been four years since I've um, been full-time doing the missionary work. And, uh, you know, the Lord took about a year for the Lord to get me to submit and surrender to his will. It wasn't my desire to be full-time in ministry. And uh, if he told me to go and get a job, I would happily do so. But it's the Father's will that I am intent and that I intend to do. So he called me to this ministry. I remember uh, about four and a half years ago, three things happened right back to back, how that the Lord dealt with me and, and assured me. And, you know, after calling me for a year and I began to go into feeling depression because I was not listening to this call to leave my secure job at Wells Fargo and my uh, secure pay and and healthcare and all those things, but he he I, I remember how he dealt with me and it was he's so gracious. Uh, we were having a testimony meeting and a brother brings the scripture: uh, "Take no thought what you shall eat or what you shall drink; sufficient for the day are the evils thereof." And he said, "You know your your manager." will ask you to go on a business trip and you have you don't even question the fact that he's going to take care of your transportation your food and your lodging but when god calls you to a mission you wonder how he can do it how he can provide and this brother knew nothing about what the lord was calling actually no one besides my wife knew what the lord was calling me to and so the tears started falling Okay, Lord, I know. I get it. I know what you're asking me to do. Wednesday night, Brother Greg Schwartz was preaching, and these things were rolling in my mind, and he, he, he calls me out of uh, thinking about something besides the preaching and says, as I was thinking this, I was thinking, Lord, what about my family? What about my children? How, how am I going to provide for them? And the brother says, what, you say, what about your family? Don't you know that God is able to provide for your family? I thought, oh, that's true. <laughs> Lord, but what about my future? You know, I won't have retirement. I won't have 
health insurance. And the brother says, and you say, what about your future? Don't you know that God has your future in mind and he's more than able to meet every need? And the tears came and I got on my face before the Lord. I said, okay, Lord, I know that you're asking me to do this, but this is crazy. (laughs) I've got a secure job. That's been preached to me by my parents since the time I remember my grandfather get a secure job and stick with it and stay there. And, and then the next day, a brother sends out a quote. I'm reading this quote, and Brother Branham's talking about Joshua and Joshua attacking the hill and the mountain where the giants were. And he said, people from the outside looking at Joshua could say, Joshua, that's reckless. But, and Brother Branham responds to them, But once Joshua had the word of the Lord, he could be reckless. (laughs) And so can the church of the living God be reckless. And so I'm I'm listening to, I'm reading this on my phone. I just took my phone and cast it to the side in my car. Oh, Lord. I'll do it, but I I don't know how, I don't know when. And I have no idea how I'm going to pay any of my bills. By the time I had already been working with these brothers for almost three years... And, you know, there had been maybe $100, $200 a, a month coming in for mission support. So I'm going, I have no idea how you're going to provide, Lord, but, but I'll step out in faith. And I gave a one-month notice to my <laughs> employer. He said, you can just do two weeks. Why do you need to do a month? And I said, uh, uh, just a month is better. <laughs> and um, by the grace of God, it's been four years as as is quite obvious, I haven't starved, and the Lord has provided for us every month. It doesn't mean we're free from worry. It doesn't mean we're free from overcoming the difficulties, but he has been faithful to what he said he would do. Many times I thought, should I go get a job? And I'm reminded of those three things that the Lord brought to me. And he's faithful. He'll do it. Amen. I love this scripture in Jeremiah forty nine thirty nine. I hope you can read that. If not, you can turn there. But it says, But it shall come to pass in the latter days that I will bring again the captivity of Elam, saith the Lord. Now, if you go back and you, you, you trace this back, Elam is actually the, the father of the Persian peoples. There, there's, it's more complex than that, but just in a basic sense, he's the father of the Persian peoples. Now trace through history, and you really can't find a place where Persians were t- literally taken po- political, in political captivity outside of their land. So if you, if you know anything about uh, the Middle East, Arabs and Persians are enemies. They hate each other. They don't want anything to do with each other. They've battled many Many years, um, and it was the Arabs that forced Islam on the Persians. The Persians, at one point in time, there was a great move of God there, and there was hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of Christians living in what is now Iran before Islam came. And and the the major religion there was Zoroastrianism. About the year 500 or so, there was a great persecution because. God was moving and many people were getting saved there. Uh, these Zoroastrians were afraid of what was going to happen. And so they actually slaughtered 500,000 Chris- Iranian Christians. 
Uh, and so 500 years after that, Islam came, took over the country. So the real, I believe it's a spiritual captivity that took place for the Persians. They're under that captivity of Islam. And they have been. However, when I first started working with Iranians, the, great, the estimates that they said of Christians inside of Iran was about 200,000. And now, after seven years, there's, there is close to, they're estimating close to or over a million Iranian Christians now inside the country. So God is really casting the gospel net amongst Iranians now. And within that, you know, you go to Matthew 13 and you read about how that the gospel net was cast and it brought in all kinds of uh, sea creatures and they had to sit down and separate that. And I believe that the message of the hour going forth and the teaching of the word of God begins to separate the good from the bad. And so that's what you see is taking place. God is moving in such a mighty way. And I've told different ones that we've tried to work with Arabs. We've tried to work with Turks. And God is moving amongst Iranians. It's just like like when you find that perfect fishing hole. And every time you cast in, there's a response. (laughs) It's, It's just incredible. Times we've gone and shared the gospel with people in their homes and and you're, you're getting ready to kind of maybe combat a little bit. And, you know, lots of questions are going to come. And they're just like, well, what do I do to be saved? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Whoa, okay, well, uh, that was easier than I thought. <laughs> um, and so that's how the Lord is working. Just in the last couple months, our, our brothers ministering there in Turkey have led 28 souls to Christ and. Just a few cities throughout there. So, and um, there's many, many people to reach, and, and the Lord is really, really moving amongst the believers there. Um, just to give you a little background, in 2009, we started with, they had done, in 15 years, they did uh, five translations of Brother Branham's sermons. Um, we now have 47. There's 17 uh, voiceover audios that we've done now. And uh, Brother Nehemiah is the, the voice of Brother Branham there. And we're currently working on the Supernatural series and the Church Ages book. We have book one done and have it uh, uh, all ready for going to printing. So we're thankful for that. There's a lot more to do, obviously. Uh, we need your prayers for the Lord to continue to raise up more translators. Brother Nehemiah has been the main one, and he's mostly been focused on doing ministry and working with the ministers over there. So um, we do have a brother in Germany who's working on slowly working on translations. Here's a map. It kind of gives you a general idea. The, the blue markers up there are cities where we have a number of believers but not a church. And the red markers are the cities where we do have, have a church. So Denizli, Esparta, Eskashahir, and Sivas, we have, have churches there. Denizli and Esparta, they both have uh, pastors there. And Eskashahir and Sivas, they have song leaders and associate ministers. And Brother Petros, who is living in Germany, is uh, preaching via Skype. He started an Iranian church in Germany. 
And so he'll preach and just bring it on Skype, and those churches will get on there. Um, for follow-up, Brother Petros will go uh, usually once a month for a week to ten days to visit Eskashir and Sivas. And Brother Nehemiah and I work closely with those brothers there as well. So there's a lot of opportunity. All those cities that have a blue mark, we've been, we have in, in our heart to get to them and begin to do some more outreach. It's just it's been, uh, the work has been so all-encompassing. All when we go on a missions trip, we really want to get things grounded and settled in those four areas where we have churches. Picture on the left is Brother Shaheen. Those of you who maybe remember from before, inside of Iran, they have a, a message church there. And uh, without getting into too many details about that, uh, they're kind of going off in false doctrine. And they've set up a um, council of elders over their grouping of churches. And they have a bishop over all the churches there. So they've really formed a denomination there using portions of the message. And so Brother Shaheen there on the left was one of the members of the council. And, uh, you know, he, he, he didn't know very much about the message. Um, but whatever he had, he was sincere about that. Um, he was a message believer for 18 years. He came to Turkey in October of 2014, and we started working with him. Just a few months later, he told us, brothers, I... I did my best to learn the message the last 18 years, but he said, just in the last few months of working with you, I've learned more than that entire time combined. And he's been a great uh, advocate and teacher going back to his friends and the people that he used to be ministering to in Iran to tell him the true reality of what the message is actually all about. Um, when we started working with Brother Shaheen, I mean, to give you an idea... He didn't know anything about Revelation 10. He didn't know anything about Luke 17.30. He didn't know anything about 1 Thessalonians 4.16. So we started teaching him that consistently while we were there and over Skype. And this last July, at our minister's meeting, we wanted to have a few of the other ministers take a service just to kind of see where they're at in their preaching. And Brother Shaheen took the subject, Who is the message? And he went through, and he went through the opening of the word. He went through, the Lord has descended from heaven with a message. And he's here. It's not what is the message, it's who is the message. And uh, Nehemiah was, I was sitting next to Nehemiah, he was translating for me. And it really almost brought me to tears to see how the Lord has brought him to this place that now he is teaching the reality of the message. Um, Picture above that, Brother Nehemiah translating for me at our church in Sivas when I was ministering on the uh, seven thunders, going through the, the, the opening of the seven seals and the significance of the opening of the seven seals. Below that is our, is our minister's meeting from this year, the brothers that are there. Um, some of them are, are pastors, some of them are associate ministers, song leaders, some of them are ministers in training, so uh, we thank the Lord for for those brothers. Brother Kavon, there on the left with me, um, he was a minister and evangelist in uh, northern Iran. And um, from, from what we can understand, he led about 400 
Muslims to Christ during his ministry in about 10, 10 years. And a uh, wonderful brother, but again, part of a church that knew little to nothing about the message. And we began to work with him when he came to Turkey and spend a lot of time with him. And we could see there was some real resistance against us. We were really emphasizing on vindication. We were really emphasizing on you know, going back and, and being able to submit to what the prophet taught. And uh, you could see that he was kind of struggling with that. So eventually we just told him, Brother Kayvon, we want you to understand that the church of Iran that you are a part of knows only 5% of the message. And he, he got upset. And how can you say that? I've read all, every message of Brother Branham that's translated. And I just asked him, Brother, what is the threefold purpose of God and Christ is the mystery of God revealed? He said, I don't know. Can you explain the seven seals to me? No. Can you pl- explain the significance of the opening of the seven seals to me? No, brother. But he was mad. He, after that was over, he was mad at us. And uh, li- a few days later, we had our minister's meeting. This was 2000, uh, 2015. And uh, so he came, and he was upset with us. And little by little, though, he was listening to the teachings of the, the mysteries of the word. And we were going, even going through church order, and he started to get just, he was shocked at how many things he, he, he didn't understand. So he came to us and said, I, I want to meet with you brothers after, after the services. And we went up in private, and Brother Nehemiah and I spoke with him, and he, he said, you know, I want you to pray for me. I have this spirit on me that's resisting um, the message. I want to research everything. To, to this point where it takes away all of my peace. And that's just how, that's the mentality I've always had. I said, it's, I said, brother, it's fine to research and study everything, but there's a certain point where you need to submit to a vindicated prophet. And then so he said, that's right where I'm at, and I need you to pray for me that I can do that. So we got down on our knees all together and prayed, and the tears just came, and he was just weeping. And... You know, we've, we've, we worked with him on Skype after that. And little by little, you could see that Kayvon was a completely different person. And I look at it that way, and, and you see his life, and you think, the brother, I know he was justified, I know he was sanctified, but I believe he got the baptism of the Holy Ghost there when we were praying for him, because he really was transformed and submitted to the message. There. The other picture's top is a picture of our church in Denizli, where Brother Shaheen is the pastor. The bottom is our church in Sivas. And on the left, it's a little dark there, but there's a picture of Brother Benham Irani. If some of you probably saw, some of you maybe not, but he was just released from prison uh, Monday, October 17th. So we're so thankful to the Lord for preserving his life. He's he does have a lot of sicknesses, and he's, he's going to the doctor in Iran right now. Uh, his, uh, his wife and, and children are living in Turkey, and so he'll be joining them very soon. Um, one of the testimonies I got, a few of them I want to share that, are, that were a blessing to me regarding Brother Benham while he was in prison. Um, I still am shocked about this number, but I, I verified it uh, twice. Um, he, he started ministering to heroin addicts in the prison. And his wife told me that 
A thousand heroin addicts uh, came through his ministry, got delivered, and got saved there in the prison over the last six years. So, wow. So thankful for his life. You know, he led a prison guard to, to faith in Christ, and that prison guard smuggled in a Bible for him and smuggled in sermons of Brother Branham for him so he could read them there in the prison. And um, Brother Benham is a man of faith. Uh, he, he, every time that his wife would ask him how he's doing, he, he would say, I'm just doing very well, honey, doing very well. And she would hear from other, peop- other people's relatives in the prison. He had this sickness. One time, um, one of the uh, gang leaders in his cell uh, got in a fight with another guy. So everybody kind of backs away usually in the prison and gets away from the fight and lets them fight. Well, the other guy came out with, with a knife at the gang leader. Brother Benham went and got in between them and actually got stabbed in his abdomen um, during the fight. They had to take him to the hospital, give him stitches. Actually, we don't really know what extent um, of surgery or, or injury he had because he w- wouldn't tell his wife or anyone else about it but he was in serious shape but God protected him and and brought him through and as a result that gang leader did everything he could possibly do to protect and make sure that brother Benham was comfortable after that even one a, a brother in Benham's church got arrested and put in that same jail area then they transferred him out and brother Benham just said could you just make sure that the brother has a bed and so usually there's just a couple beds, and the toughest, meanest guys have the beds. Well, this gang leader told the gang leader of another cell, make sure that uh, the, this other brother has a bed. And he had a bed, was well taken care of there. So God knows how to take care and protect his own and use them in a mighty way in places that are worse than we can imagine. So... The top picture is a picture of our church in Eskishahir. Bottom one is just from a recent trip of Brother Petros. He was ministering again to some new believers on the seven church ages. So um, here's a little progression of the work, just to give you an overview again, a little reminder. So it's 2009. We started providing the translated messages in Farsi in, on the web and, and in print. And we have a website called pagom.net. And so 2012 is when I started clarifying some of the misinterpretations of the message doctrine. And it also happens to be the same time frame that I broke ties with the Church of Iran, with their bishop and council of elders. Um, We started from scratch in Turkey with no churches and uh, just two believers in 2012, September. In October, Brother Petros joined our, our team, missions team there. And, and since then, we've planted four churches and are working in, with believers in many other cities. Now we have Brother Petros, Nehemiah, Shaheen, Hamid, Kavan, and Brother Omid ministers who are evangelizing and preaching the message in Turkey. Um, we've been providing materials and teachings, as Brother Chad mentioned, to churches inside Iran through our Persian website and through all kinds of different apps that we use. Um, 
We've been progressively bringing more doctrine of the message. Now we've really fully delivered all the doctrine of the message to these brothers. Uh, Many things to clarify and go deeper into and deeper into, but generally speaking, we've delivered all the major doctrines to them. So now we're working towards moving on to new cities to plant new churches there. And um, I was going to share more, but I probably should keep that private since it's about uh, inside the country. So by God's grace, the work is continuing to go on, and and I just want to appreciate all of you for your support, for your prayers. You've kept us going through the years, and and, uh, it's truly there's an eternal impact. You know, it's, it's your prayers and, and offerings and support that have helped us reach hundreds of people for the gospel, uh, lead many people to the message, and uh, it's an eternal impact that you all have had. So appreciate you very much. All right. Praise God for his goodness.